Come on in, guys. Welcome back to Talking Llama, everyone. Matt Hambidge and Jared Sundin here. And before we continue our season rankings, Jared, we are halfway done. This has been the best several Mondays of my entire <laughs> life. Yeah, it's it's been fantastic. Halfway done. We're just kind of cruising through it, um, knocking out five at a time. We'll see how that structure goes. But hopefully by the time we uh, finish up with this, it won't be too much longer before we have a new season to talk about. Yeah, I'm, uh, I guess you and me just discussing that a little bit and some of the changes, uh, it didn't seem real until we started talking about, you know, how it was going to actually affect the show the next time we see it. So definitely looking forward to that too. All right. Well, let's just start off here. We're at season, our season number 20 which is season 15, 2007's China, won by Todd Herzog. My 13th ranked season, Jared's 25th. And for me, I'll just start off. I I equate this, this one pretty closely to the Philippines, where it's just kind of solid up and down. It's got a fantastic winner, some, some few great moments, other kind of big characters. No real down moments for me. I mean, we've got the James and the Idols. We've got PG and Jamie with the hilarious challenge throw. Courtney versus John Robert. Todd's epic final travel council. You know, it's just it's just good, solid play players. Bad location. That definitely loses a few points. But it's just, you know, it starts at a pretty decent, decent level and kind of maintains. What, uh, what about this for you kind of puts it just into the back half for you? Well, I do like the cast. Um, I thought there was a lot of memorable moments. Obviously, Todd is a strong winner. Uh, played a really fun game to watch for the whole season. Um, as you know, I've, I've seen this one twice now. And there are a ton of parts that I really like. But I think the, like the sum doesn't quite add up to all the individual parts for me not to say that it's a bad season but in my head going into my rewatch I thought I was going to like this a lot more than I did and for some reason it didn't hold my attention a ton the second time through yeah and and I think for me the first the first watch um played better than the than the second watch um with one exception I I enjoyed Courtney a lot more on the oh, rewatch. true very true because she she really got on my nerves the first time through but then once i started re-watching and i knew she didn't win and and i like courtney just fine now um after after watching that first season seeing her on heroes villains kind of seeing some interviews and whatnot with her i, I like her a lot more than i did at at the starting point but just really appreciate just her snarky comments um her attitude towards John Robert, mostly, if not completely justified. And you can just kind of sit back and be like, 
I may not want this person to win the game of Survivor. And now that I know she doesn't, I can just revel in just the gold that she's giving us every single episode. Yeah, she had some great ones. I think my favorite one, they're in the middle of a challenge and it was like a balancing challenge where you had to sit on a snake-like structure and uh, Jeff was complimenting her for how well she was doing and she said, well, Jeff, it pays to be lazy or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, she, she, she's just quick. She, she's got the wit. Her and Todd were a great duo. They, aside from like the Boston Rob Amber type, you know, true like romantic couples, I can't think of a many better suited to each other couples than or duos than than Courtney and Todd. Yep. Yeah. They they don't really make them like this anymore. Uh, maybe maybe one or two in recent seasons, but yeah, they were a, a true joy to watch. Yeah, they were fantastic, and and you mentioned some some great moments. I tried to do this to catch you off guard, but I forgot to share the audio, so I just played the clip. Chicken. Damn. <laughs> Episode one. Chicken's vote off. Oh man, that got me so good when I when I watched it the first time. Just the damn. It's like okay, <laughs> okay, now we're cooking. Okay. Yep. Uh, we we hardly knew you, chicken. Not long enough. All right, a couple um, kind of unique parts about this season to go over. James and the Idols. Obviously, you can't talk about China without talking about James getting voted out, holding two Idols. Where does this rank for you, either firmly or roughly, on the all-time list of bad Survivor moves? Oh, man, it is. It's high. Uh, I don't I think a lot of the like giving away the necklace stuff and and just overplaying your hand has been hyped up more since this. But I mean, tactically, this has to be just one of the biggest mistakes ever made, like top three, maybe Um, if not, if not one. I mean, he what was the scenario? He had three tribals left to survive and he had two idols and he, he just didn't play it when he didn't win immunity. It was, you know, I thought it was earlier than that, which I meant to look that up before we get on, but I, I will... think he only had three more chances to use it. And he had two idols. That, that would change things. Cause at that point, let's see here. Cause yeah, at that point, you might you might as well use one of them because even if it's blown, you still have one more. So he used it um, in episode eleven. Okay, so yeah, about I'm not seeing what the what the vote was. Oh, there we go. Um, but that you might be right there that if it wasn't if it wasn't three, it probably wasn't very many more. So there were six. Oh, yeah. So that this was the one, two, three, the fourth tribal after the merge. It was a five one one vote. Um, so, yeah, maybe only even. Yeah. So three tribals two, maybe two. But yeah, <laughs> if it was two. It would be. The, Wait, no, the no. Three, maybe ever. three, maybe four, three, maybe four. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Went, went the wrong way there. Yeah. I, I had in my mind that it was earlier in the merge where it was a little more 
reasonable to not use them. But um, now that I stand corrected, yeah. Yeah, got to use them there. You know, because like I said, even if you blow the first one, you've still got another challenge plus another idol to guarantee yourself safety as far as you can. But you just get confident or they, they make a good move, maybe a little bit of both, and you go home with two of the largest idols the game has ever seen. Hey, when you're in a strong alliance, you don't need to use it. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think of, um, well, I guess with the idols, one, the way they were hidden just right out in the open at camp, and two, how obnoxiously big they were <laughs> and the... how annoying that would be to keep those hidden. Yes, the idol size I was not a fan of. The idol location I kind of liked. I I love I love when they put the idols right there. So whether it's a, a regular size one, they had it underneath the underneath the the bed, or they had it in tree mail, something where anybody reasonably could just like stumble across them. Um, I I love when they do that because it it makes the the getting the idol a lot riskier and it makes it it's better TV too rather rather than just see someone walking through the jungle and put digging through trees and bushes and under rocks and eventually they're going to find it or not but then to have them have to strategize about how to retrieve the idol when it's somewhere that everyone will see and this one that people will notice is gone too that's the other thing it's not just underneath the the bed but this is a thing that if you're paying attention, you will notice is there one day and then gone the next. That's true. I didn't think of that. Um, I I just want to say uh, respect to them for coming up with the twist this early on in the idol game. Like this is still only a few seasons into when those were introduced. And yeah, season, it, it season seems, eleven was the was the first one. It's only season fifteen. Yeah, so it seems like the kind of thing that they would have to come up with like much farther down the road just to mix things up. But they were on top of this one, and and it worked out well. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Um, what do you think? What did you think of Jamie and PG very obviously throwing the challenge? Hilarious to watch. Uh, I don't. I I think I remember the scenario well enough where like. Even, uh, you know, we always talk about how under any circumstances you don't want to throw a challenge, but it seemed like this was a foolproof challenge throw where like it was going to benefit you. And uh, the fact that it was so obvious was almost funnier just because it was such a it seemed like a kind of a blunder in how the game was set up, at least for that part of it. Yeah, it, it felt like watching two drunk people trying to be sneaky with something who think they're being very stealth, but then it's just 1000% obvious to anyone who has even one eye on them. Yeah. You know, they're dropping pieces. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly like that. And that's kind of, kind of like me with how I felt about Courtney that this really pissed me off the first time I watched it. Cause it's just like, like we said, you never want to go to tribal aside from the rarest of circumstances and if you're going to throw it, don't make it that obvious because if not everyone's in on the plan, this could be, you know, ammunition to maybe swing the vote towards you potentially. Um, but on the watch, on the rewatch, 
you know, because I, I do kind of watch watch it a little differently when I know the the broad results at least. You know, maybe not remember the, the specific boot order or challenge results, but when I know the gen, the general, you know, run of each season, and I can just kind of watch for these kind of little moments that I can kind of view in a different light. And this was hilarious, hilarious the second time through. Yeah. Uh it's it's nice when yeah you can get that out of the back of your head kind of um you know the unknown of what's going to happen and just focus on the little moments like that the other kind of unique thing or one other kind of unique thing about this season was the quote-unquote swap they had of the tribes so rather than do a traditional everyone draws a new buff each tribe got to basically steal two members of the other tribe and absorb them onto theirs what do you think of that as a swap mechanism? I don't hate it because you're taking on people that you want and are not necessarily going to get rid of them at the first opportunity. But, you know, if you're just bringing two people in as the minority on the tribe, they're pretty much, they're pretty much just doomed from the second they get there. So in theory, a little better than an execution yeah, I, I like that they were, like we talked about, talked about before, I like that they were trying something. You know, they weren't afraid to, to mix it up, even, you know, this early in the in the show's run. And and that's what I like to see, like, like we've said a few times, each of us, that, you know, you can't get complacent or too comfortable in how the game is set up from, from a production standpoint. And so just bringing some, some fresh ideas into the show without majorly changing things I, I appreciate that always mostly always um this one i feel like it's pretty dependent on the situation you know if if you were swapping at say say 14 and there's a very clear four three split on one of the tribes you know then th- then those two two incoming players could be huge if they just team up right away right away with the three if they think that, you know they're two different sets at the bottom if you will or if you have, say, a, a 5-2 split or whatever, something where two players won't really swing the alliance um, or the, the numbers, then you're just making a, a bigger, smaller alliance, bigger minority alliance. Um, I think it in the right situation, it which you, which you can't plan for, obviously, from the show standpoint, I think it could work. I'm pretty happy they haven't done this since unless i'm forgetting an instance i don't think they have and yeah, not exactly like this yeah um but like i said they tried it it didn't really swing the season much one way or the other or the other but you know i was i always like to see the tribes mixed up i don't always necessarily like when it's just the straight same tribes until the merge so at least they, they try to do something a little different with that yep okay and then i mean todd todd just an incredible final travel speech. I think maybe up there with Cochran, two of the two of the best final speeches that I think the game has ever seen. And it's hugely impressive that still 25 seasons later, it's it's still held in such high regard. I mean, he literally shut up John Robert with with his answer. And you know, why'd you vote me out? The classic stupid question. Oh, because you're the biggest strategic threat. I had to get you out to win. And he's like literally speechless from that. Um, but just the way he commanded the the whole tribal just owned his game. Super impressive. Yeah, he went in like 
obviously, so the final three we have uh, Amanda was in there too, right? Like this is a final three, not a final two. Mm-hmm. So like I, I feel like Todd went in there with Courtney and Amanda and Amanda maybe being the most neutral um, personality and <laughs> the the least hated of the three and to have Todd come out of their, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else when he didn't necessarily go in as the favorite, I think is the most impressive part of it. Yeah, I, I think he... I think he definitely won the game at final tribal. I, I think he, I remember watching thinking Amanda was probably the favorite going in. Um, and now I don't know what the necessarily what the jury had in mind going in, but that's just kind of, that was just kind of my perception. And then she ended up getting third, you know, it was a four, two, one final vote. Um, you know, Courtney couldn't even get Frosty's vote at the end there. A little puppy dog, the, yeah. the lovesick puppy. Yeah, you can almost always, yeah, if you if you got an alliance like that, you can almost always count on that vote, but rare, rare situation here. So Todd flipped him, huh? I guess so. Unless unless he was unless he was bitter that it was a little unrequited love. Well, that that too. All right. So uh, for second chance for this season, I'd have Todd, obviously. I know, I know he's gone through a bunch of struggles since Survivor. I think he's doing really well, uh, but I don't know if that would affect if he wants to come back or not. But just from a Survivor standpoint, love to see him again. Obviously, I want to see every winner back except for maybe Chris Underwood. Um, first past that, but Todd absolutely. May I would say actually I would say Frosty. You know he was he was pretty young when the show was on, and he was really good in the challenges. You know he could be he could be someone fun to to see again, and. I don't think I would push for Jean Robert, but you need to have someone with that kind of abrasive personality who's going to rub people the wrong way. And so I think he, I think in the right cast, he can make for an interesting villain type character. I don't know that will make my final cut. You know, when we have to pare these down from about 70 players to 10 on each side, <laughs> um, they're at the rate it's going. But you know, I wouldn't necessarily complain if he if he got picked. Who do you got? The only person I would really need to see again is Todd. I think I could go without Frosty, but Jean Robert would be my second, uh, provided that there's a few more personal space restrictions uh, this time around, which we've learned from a lot in recent seasons. Yes, and I I feel like. That would not not would not fly, or would even get to the point that it did in China. If he came, if he did come back, and it was an issue, that'd be that'd be the the one concern. Um, I feel like they might be better served just leaving him off just for that reason, if nothing else. But again, if he did come back, I'm sure they've got different sorts of training or instructions on how to act and whatnot. But but yeah, not something you want to bring on, knowing there was past history of that necessarily. Um, what about like James and Courtney and Amanda? Any interest in seeing them play again? I could go for Courtney again. I think that like in today's Survivor, she would fit in the best out of everyone. Just having some of that witty commentary. Um, like I think there's still a spot for the obvious physical threats that 
that don't really play much of a social game like James. Um, I wouldn't hate to see him again, but uh, yeah, Amanda is, is very, I, I'm so passionately indifferent on Amanda <laughs> that I, I could go either way and have no opinion on it. Yeah. I mean, she, she seems by all accounts, like a perfectly lovely, awesome person, but she's, she's just kind of nothing as a, as a character on the show. Yeah. She, she had her moments, you know, like anyone who makes it that far multiple times, like she does um, will. And she's obviously doing something right or interesting. She's going that deep more than once, but she's just not all that memorable aside from the heroes, villains, idol clue, which we'll get to in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And the, the Eric debacle and Micronesia, I think those are the two claims to fame. And uh, that wasn't, I'll give that one to Suri though. Yeah. That was not really Amanda's doing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, that's, it's kind of the game that she plays as a solid game because she doesn't, really make anyone mad or threatened or <laughs> really any emotion and uh that's just how i end up feeling about her yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't think i'd complain i like seeing good people get more opportunities but just from a let's stack as many awesome engaging characters as we can on a season i don't think she'd crack the list but i wouldn't necessarily push back if if she came back for like a legends or a, or runners up type season. Yeah. Can you just uh, throw her on the list so I can like waffle on her when we are trying to narrow it down? I, I, I can't just... because we're only doing a second chance season. Oh, that's true. Honorary member. <laughs> she can be, a, she can be a team cap. She can be a next, next idol. Oh, see, so you got me talking about Amanda and I just can't, I can't get, I can't get the the personal struggle out of my head of if I want to see her or not now. That's what I'm here for. Make make okay. you think. Personal growth. All right. Next season for us here, our 19th ranked season, season eight, 2004's All Stars. One, of course, controversially maybe by some, by Amber Burkich, now Amber Mariano, of course. Bit of a split here at a 14 season difference. My 26th ranked season, Jared's 12th. Now, question for you. When you watched this the first time, had you, I know we've talked about this before, but I can't remember your, your answer on it. Had you seen a bunch of these players or other returning seasons prior to watching All-Stars? Uh, can you reword the question? Well, see, what, what I'm getting at is this was obviously the first returning player season, and it was it was all-star. So leading up to it, there was this massive, massive hype around it. Okay. And at the time, a lot of people thought, and I'm kind of in this camp, that it didn't quite live up to the hype or the expectations. Um, but if, you, if you're someone, if you had seen Micronesia, if you'd seen Heroes, Villains, Cambodia whatever else it might be where the, the returning player um, novelty, if you will, had worn off. There wasn't quite the, the excitement for, Oh, I get to see these players again, even having maybe already seen some of these players play after okay. all-stars. 
Yeah. Uh, so my answer to that is the only season I had seen with returning players was edge of extinction. And with that being the case, I was aware of the concept of having returning players. So that might have worn off some of the shine, like as far as the first time ever doing it had. Also, you you knew other seasons existed, right? That yeah. Had returning players. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was not one of the parts of this particular season that I was most excited about. I would say that some of the people coming back I was excited for, and that was probably what had the most of my attention because I got a taste of Boston Rob the first time that I saw him, but not a ton. And I, I got mildly spoiled knowing that he was going to make a deep run on this season. Okay. So, yeah. Um, a couple of the others, like I, I was a, a Tina fan from Australia. I thought it was kind of cool that they brought her back several seasons later um, after she won. And then obviously I just Rudy, the more Rudy I can get the better. Um, and unfortunately they were the first two gone. If I remember that correctly, but. Tina was first Rudy. If he wasn't second, he was very. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was Tina and then Rudy. Uh I remember. I remember too. Rudy had a foot injury, and uh, it was slowing him down. And Jeff asked him about it at the tribal council. He went home. He goes, "Rudy, how's the foot?" Rudy goes, "It's good." And that was it. <laughs> Man, a few words. Can't believe uh, the people didn't buy it. <laughs> oh man, Rudy, what a what a character! I don't think they could cast someone like him these days. But back then, he was Stephen. Rewatching today, just just gold incredible oh man so season eight um was of course the the all-star season do you think this was a good time to do their first all-star season should they have done it sooner waited a couple seasons i think it was about right maybe maybe 10th season somewhere around there would have been good because a lot of the players did seem like filler a little bit um, I'm not sure if that was because they just couldn't get everyone they wanted or if they didn't have enough choices or what, but maybe a couple more seasons would have been helpful to build up like a really star studded cast. Yeah. Cause I was thinking about that because Australian survivor, they did an all-star season in their fifth season. Um, now they do have a bigger cast of 24 players through the first four. So they still had a little bit of a smaller pool, I think, than this. But um, you're not too far off five with a bigger bigger cast versus eight with a smaller cast. But I think it seemed about right. Um, you know, I, I think kind of like they did Winners at War at 40, Heroes, Villains at 20. It would have been cool to do it at, at 10, you know, the 10-year anniversary, do, do that as the All-Stars. But at that point, you're looking at a one-year difference. So it's, it, it's fine. Um, I do think maybe could have benefited from a couple more years of, or another year, a couple more seasons of, of players to, to pull from. But I think they, they mostly got a pretty good, pretty good cast up and down. And with, with any returning players, you're going to have, have some misses. Um, I do, I do like, I guess just to jump into it, how, when they started the game, the other, the, the tribes didn't know going in who was, 
who else was in the game that, that they kind of arrived on the beach with their tribe. And then they were just kind of waiting in anticipation of who else was going to show up. And I mean, that, that, that moment lasts for a few minutes, at least on air, but I think it's a really cool way to, to begin the season. You know, you don't really know who to expect, how to prep for them. And then all of a sudden you just get hit with them right away. It's kind of amazing that ahead of time, like they didn't have the foresight or technology to figure out like who was going to be on the season with them or the community wasn't that strongly built yet or what, but well, there, there were some, some moments where they were talking about pregame alliances. And okay. so, so they maybe had at least an idea of some, if not all the other players, I just don't know that they got anything officially confirmed. Um, Cause you know, pregame alliances was, it came brought up. I don't know if I made note of it, got brought up a few times. And I think that was um, one of the bigger complaints from people, at least when it aired is that, and, it, and it's, it's an issue with any returning player season, but I think being the first one, people weren't necessarily sure how to hand, how that would be handled. Um, but that pregame alliances played too large, too large of a part in how the season played out that even if you were on different tribes, you'd still stick to your word with this person or that person, or if, you know, you and I were competing alliances in the same tribe, but we had an agreement, you know, we wouldn't, you know, target each other, that type of thing, that it, some sort of outside the game factors play too much of a part for some people. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that it does sound familiar. Um, yeah. Maybe with like, uh, like a Lex or someone bringing it up, I'm not sure, but yeah, I could, it's it just to me again after seeing a lot of these returning player seasons now it just seems unavoidable that you wouldn't have friends going into the season you know it's just part of the game especially now with how interconnected everything is and obviously with, with social media and zoom and facetime and and everything making connection incredibly easy you know so you had the phone calls but that was you know about it or the, you know email as well but it wasn't as instantaneous and easy as, as it is now that it took a little more effort to kind of put in the work to make a pregame alliance. And it's just so easy now. And with more, you know, doing a lot, doing a lot more returning player seasons, and it's kind of a stretch of them that you get to know, get to know people in the game. And then that continues outside of the game, easy to stay, stay connected. And at this point, I think it's just kind of accepted. Even if you don't like it necessarily, there's really nothing you can do to prevent it from happening. But uh, getting into the season a little bit more early on, and this part, this part I did not like as much. They basically de- deprived them of food and water for the first few days, and you know, not was, Rudy. There was no fire. Not Rudy. Rudy was drinking, drink whatever water you could get, and you know he was fine. But you know, I, I get the idea. You know, these are all stars. They can, they can do it or make it a little tougher on them. But it seemed to go a little too far for me. And this is kind of what we talked about in, in Africa is you can only watch people suffer for so long before it's like, okay, let's get them some energy so they can start doing things. And the personalities helped make up for that a little bit. Um, unlike in Africa where there are only a few big, big personalities. But I, I can only enjoy watching them search for a clue to a box of something that they don't really, they can assume what it is, but it went on for a little longer than, than I would have liked to see. Yeah. You know, there's other than 
the hunt for the idol really i mean the most exciting part of the game is figuring out where your food is <laughs> yeah that was i mean again like like we've already talked about in china they're they're going for it they're making a production decision they're changing things up but you know there there could have been a a more of a happy medium i thought for for this part of it at least but it turned out okay they all got there no one had to be medevac no one fainted from from hunger dehydration so it ended up okay but still would have been you know who I'd, I'd much rather would have seen camp life and them discussing strategy or having social conflicts whatever it might be rather than having them just talk about being hungry for two weeks or not you know a week or whatever it was yeah yep but um the shelter build, building challenge i i do come to appreciate these these older seasons with their different challenges where they're competing and whether it's a shelter building or the sos challenges where they're not even involved you know directly with each other and you kind of just have to wait and see if you win or not yeah. um so you said shelter building challenge and i just got the biggest smile on my face uh, maybe i've had so far talking about this i i can't wait to talk about the shelter building challenge and would that be because of rupert's shelter just all of it, it it's so the the juxtaposition between boston rob being like a professional carpenter <laughs> and just being gifted this giant box of home depot or whatever it was goods and uh creating this palace with the rest of his tribe and then <laughs> Rupert digging into the sand on a beach <laughs> and seeing the evaluator guy come in and, and after they built the shelter, they could see this guy off in the distance motioning to Jeff that the water is going to get in the shelter immediately. <laughs> oh, that was, that was a great moment. And like the, the funnier thing or fun for me is that it was very well built and constructed like that, that shelter by itself looked awesome. That looked like a super fun, comfortable place to be until you factor in the fact that it's going to get flooded almost immediately <laughs> daily. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, I mean, and just seeing like Jerry's disdain for Rupert, after that and i feel like it carried into heroes versus villains it was just like such a such a long lasting thing for one challenge um but man that stuck with me and and i love it oh man that's that's a great one i i don't mind that they haven't brought those back because i like when they're when it's actually uh an actual like game competition but you know if, if they decide to bring something like this back once in a while in the next couple of years, I wouldn't be opposed to it. No, I would, I would almost be in favor of it. Just I think to do it's something. been, I can't remember the last time they did something like this, but I feel like it's been well long enough that yeah. it would feel very fresh, especially if there are still, if they're new fans, maybe haven't watched every season that it would be something new for them. And a nice throwback to the season one fans that, it could be, it could be, because I feel like it'd be so unexpected to the to new castaways and new players that they just wouldn't expect to have to build something as part of a challenge. You know, they're building the shelter anyway, and then to have that be part of the competition, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, it would be nice to see them kind of uh, 
especially for the new players, just do something that forces them to slow the game down. But I think if you're changing it to 29 days, that's going to be near impossible. Yeah, hopefully that, again, is just a temporary change. But that's a really good way to put it, it forcing them to slow the game down. Because the, the, the modern game moves just so fast. And that's just kind of the natural evolution as people learn the game and they keep up with twists and advantages and whatever it might be. But yeah, forcing them to to take time and kind of draw something out would, would be, would be fun. I think it'd be a good, good change of pace. Literally. All right. What else we got here? Robin Amber. I mean, the power couple of all, of all power couples ruining it for everybody to come after them as, um, so yeah, I think it's Jay in millennials gen X who says power couples never last right here. We've just got the exception that proves the rule that they just ran a train through that entire season once they linked up, which was basically right away. And ever since then, you're a power couple. If you're out in the open like that, one or both of you is is getting voted out pretty much right away. Um, but they they stuck to it. And those day one, day two alliances don't always stay through day 39. And this one clearly has stayed through day 39 and through, you know, years and marriage and children later so oh they're married yes oh as as adam klein will effusively tell us in winners at war (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's like if you're even a casual survivor fan that one of the one of the facts of the show that you know is that boston rob and amber are married with children exactly I think one of the one of the better quotes is Sesternino early on. He he goes, Boston, <laughs> Rob, and Amber are going to do it. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, man, that was it's another just guy. it's just so out in the open. That yeah. that's the crazy part that it's yeah. so out in the open, and and still nobody thinks to to split them up. Either they don't see the danger, or they're just that scared of Rob. Which when we get to the the Lex the Lex of it all, that is part of it. They're scared of Rob's wrath. They were to vote out Amber. I don't know why we just vote out Rob instead, but that's another, another topic. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it was a they were, it was early stages of Survivor. We, let's not blame them for that. No, I think, uh, I think it was just mostly because no one had ever seen anything like it before and didn't really know how to react to it. Didn't know if it was a good thing or a bad thing. So you see two people forming a connection like that and you don't want to break it up because you're like, Oh, I don't want to be the jerk here. So I can see a lot of factors going into it. All that worked in Robin Amber's favor, of course. Uh, clearly. Yep. Came out $1.1 million richer with two cars. Not bad. Not, not a bad showing, not a bad showing at all. Since, since I mentioned it, that car challenge. Um, so Rob, so obviously the car challenge um, Rob wins and takes Amber on, on the reward. And when they get there, she is also gifted with, with the car. Um, not sure how I feel about that. Just, just in general, I don't, I don't think I'd do it differently if it was two people who weren't and going to end up getting married, but just to surprise them with a car, obviously awesome for them, but it's such a huge reward just for, getting picked to go on or to go to accompany you. But after that, what do you think of 
Amber's choice to tell the tribe. And let's not go results-based, because obviously she won the game, so it didn't hurt her that much, if at all. But just in a, in a vacuum, if you're gifted a car that only you and a very close alliance partner know about, would you make that public knowledge? Absolutely not. No. I would say the same. I think if you're if you're with someone that you don't trust as much and then they see you hiding it from everybody, then they could blow up your spot and then it would look way worse just from the from an optic standpoint. But if you're with your literal number one alliance partner, I, I don't think you you tell them. Yeah, I don't see really any benefits in doing it. But again, early days of Survivor, they, they, she probably thought the, the honorable or honest approach was probably the right approach. Um, and I don't remember her having a confessional saying she didn't trust Rob to keep it a secret if she, if she didn't say anything. Uh, so I don't know if that did cross her mind that she'd rather have her tell. Or I guess maybe at Tribal, you know, Jeff will talk about the reward sometimes. And she didn't maybe want to come out there. Yeah. But, yeah. but she seems so... So quick to say, yeah, I'll just tell him. I'll just tell him. It's probably better just to tell him. Yeah, it didn't really seem like a deliberate strategic move to avoid future conflict. Yeah. Let's see. Going through my notes here. Want to talk about the whole Rob and Lex thing. Before we get into that, because that'll that'll be actually a fun conversation. Again, we can't really, we can't skip over the whole Richard Hatch, Sue Hawk incident, for lack of a better word. Um so of course they're at a challenge. Richard is doing his naked thing and rubs up against Sue who in the moment doesn't do anything. And then the next, the next day or next, next challenge goes or later on after Richard gets voted out on um, the next day, just reams out Jeff and basically everybody else for letting it happen, saying how much it, is, it has affected her completely rightfully. So, and then she quits and that was not handled well by by jeff or the or the production just as a whole a lot of basically victim shaming comments from the rest of the tribe i mean kathy had a confessional saying you need to learn how to control your emotions and even even for 2000 2004 just surprised that it was handled that poorly and then comparing that to the dan spilo situation very surprised that basically their mindset of how to handle this did not change in 15 years. Yeah. Um, I think this was definitely, I don't want to say the Dan thing wasn't bad, um, but I feel like this was on another level than. Uh, I, I, I'd I'd agree with that because the, this one should have been obvious to anyone that what he did yeah. was inappropriate. I, I think it's one thing if you're going to let someone walk around naked at camp or go fishing naked. But when you're in a challenge, especially one where you're going to be in close proximity to other people, you it shouldn't be up to another player to say, I'm not comfortable with this. It should just be a rule that in like like obviously things like like sugar and heroes villains her top comes off in the middle of a challenge that wasn't intentional <laughs> it was a hundred percent intentional on sandra's part oh, i guess i can't wait to rewatch that part but th- <laughs> this one 
And when you're dealing with, with, I guess, put it delicately, the male private parts, it's a little bit different, at least. Yep. That yep. that I feel like Jeff should have just stepped in and said, "Hey, Hatch, you got to put your put your shorts back on for this one." But but yeah, that was it was not comfortable to watch the first time, and it was even more uncomfortable the second the, the second time. Yeah, um, I it, it's hard to even comment on um, like. And, and making sure you're saying it 100% the right way. When, when stuff like this happens on the show, I, I find it interesting to watch how the other people there react to it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, in, in our minds, you know, we're not there. We haven't gotten to know Sue. We haven't gotten to know Richard. We haven't gotten to know the dynamic um, between the two of them. We don't know what it was from season one. Um, so we have a lot less perspective on it and this, I mean, pretty much from how Sue reacted to it. Um, that's all you need. And it, it was, it just made me think like, you know, why, how everyone on the Island or how everyone there could have such a different interpretation of it than, than you could watching it. But yeah, like you said, Sue's reaction is kind of all you need, regardless of how any other players viewed the the Sue Richard dynamic or relationship. If you see that reaction, that that tells you everything everything you need to know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a shame that's how it happened. I like Sue. Really unfortunate that's how how her All Star and Survivor run had had to come to an end. But you know with everything happening now with Dan and everything, hopefully this is will not be an issue going, going forward. Um, but let's just move on then to, to Lex. So I'll set the stage here and I'll let you start on it. So obviously they do the, the tribe swap tribes are identical except for Amber who, who goes back to the, the other tribe. Um, and then, then Rob kind of s- takes Lex aside and says, you take care of her. I'll take care of you if you can. Um, and that was kind of all, all it took to Lex for, or to get Lex to at first just consider saving, saving Amber versus taking her out as the easy vote. Um, and then obviously he, he saves Amber. Then they merge and Rob cuts Lex immediately, which is incredible. But I'll let you take it some general thoughts on on the Lex Rob moment we'll call it after i think i've seen this season 3 times now and 3 times in i still don't know how i feel about it 100% um is it's probably one of the single most gray areas of gameplay that i've seen um where it was it was one of the first times where you ask yourself like how much of this is in the game how much of it is out of the game can you bring out of the game factors into the game to win the game um and it just yeah i'm it's such a confusing thing especially when it's like the first time you've ever seen it happen in the history of the show where you know you have 
all these external factors coming into play and you're just wondering if it's, if you should allow those things to affect the play in the game. And in this situation, um, man, I, I probably would have given Lex if I was Rob, I probably would have helped him out once. And, you know, from that point on, you're good, do whatever you got to do. But I mean, it, that was just such a huge favor that he did. And to get cut for it right after that is, uh, it's just not a good look for Rob. I, I understand why he did it. And obviously it paid off, um, not just in the game, but for (laughs) the rest of his life. And, uh, you know, in, in that regard, I, I don't really have a problem with it because it all worked out, but um, yeah, as far as gameplay goes, you know, if I was there, like probably would have maybe done a favor for Lex uh, at some point. And he does, or he Rob does tell Lex that it's kind of out of his hands to a degree that, Lex is kind of the the choice for the rest of, of his alliance. But one thing I picked up on on the rewatch, and I, I wonder if production slipped these moments in there to kind of set the stage for this. When Lex is voting out Colby, um, no, not, not Colby, or yes, yes, Colby. He, he's talking to Ethan about it, saying, this isn't about friendship, this is business. And another quote, we both That's true. We both know this game has nothing to do with friendship. That's so, true. So you've got the, those comments coming out of Lex's mouth directly. And then Rob betrays that friendship in his eyes. And Lex gets pissed off about it. Now, if, yeah. if, if Rob thought this, or I'm sorry, if Lex thought this was on a different level, that he was doing a favor for a friend versus... Just, you know, if Rob and Lex got to the merge and they battled it out together, there's no hard feelings. If Rob votes Lex out, the the favor part, I feel like, has to be what makes Lex view that differently. But still, if you're going to say this is business, it's not about friendship, this game isn't about making friends, you know, the the unofficial slogan of Survivor, I didn't come here to make friends. I wonder how many times that's been said on a side note throughout the course of the, the show's run. Um then he's really has no legs to stand on. But again, like you said, how much outside of the game influence does it have? Does it have our, did Lex view his friendship with Rob differently as better friends? It does make for an interesting dynamic when you do get these returning players with their outside the game connections in inside the game then, and how that all, all plays out, especially like this when they're on opposing alliances and tribes. Yeah, that's just, that's what I mean by, you know, gray area where, like you said, you bring up those quotes from Lex and it really, it makes it look like you shouldn't hold too much against Rob for doing it. Um, but then you start thinking, you're like, well, is this exactly that situation or is this a different situation? And uh, yeah, just, yeah, still, still to this day, hard for me to really take a firm stance one way or the other. I I would say Lex has every right to be upset in the moment. But if he does view the game as a game, 
he shouldn't hold it against Rob. Now, again, that's without knowing the dynamic of that actual out real life friendship that that could change, change it. But just from an outside viewer's perspective, that's what I would go with. And then this does also, unless you have any final thoughts on, on the Rob Lex. No, no, I think, I think we're good. One of my favorite rewards, um, they do the, the, the Q and a challenge. I thought the first instance wasn't, in, wasn't in Fiji, but I guess this might be the first time they do it. When they ask the questions about the, the tribe members, um, Rupert, I think wins that one. And at the reward, everybody eats, but he gets, to decide, <laughs> I remember this, but he yeah. gets to decide um, the order in which the players get to pick their food. Um, so I think they've done this later on too, where they maybe decide who eats what same, same thing. Cause there's a very clear, order of of food there's a couple maybe in the middle that that you could you know a salad versus a sandwich type thing but you know rupert i think it's a steak and an open bar just gets hammered um and then you know there's there's a sandwich there's a burger i think a salad like a bowl of rice um and i love love this because it puts the winner in such an impossible and hilarious position because they're forced to say definitively in their eyes this is where i see the tribe or you have to screw over one of your alliance members to maybe make someone else feel a little bit safer yeah and it wouldn't be a bad time for the alphabet strategy <laughs> yeah just say oh yeah um you know alex you're you're the first alphabet so you get to pick next i feel like that would probably upset more people because then you're just not even taking a stand you're just you're just, you're just wussing out on it but I want to see them bring this or some form of this back. I, I love when players are put in positions like this to make these super difficult choices, just like the loved ones visit. It's designed, yes, to give the moment, give the players a kind of an escape from the game, but it's designed to brew conflict and drama. Because when, if you deny someone an afternoon with their wife or their their parent or whoever it might be, and you grant that opportunity to three other people ahead of you. I mean, it's it's designed for conflict, just like this is. I love when the game forces it. You you let it you let the game play out naturally. You're gonna get conflict and arguments and whatnot. But when it's manufactured, I I love it because the game is just like, nope, we're just gonna match with you guys right now. Yep. Yeah. And and this is obviously not just limited to all-stars early on in some of those seasons there was some just brutal uh challenges that you know the winner would have to have to completely show their hand like you said and it it does still happen today to an extent with the the loved ones visits but man it it was uh, especially late in the season you get put in some real tough spots and you got to work your way out of it yeah i i I love that. It's it's such, it was such a smart. Whenever they instituted it, whosever idea it was, just on on a broad scope, genius. I I need more of this. Don't need it every season. You know, like most most things, don't need it every season. But but here and there, sprinkling, sprinkling it in would be more than welcome from my end. And then speaking of the loved ones, do you remember the loved ones challenge from this season? I don't want to take too long to think about it at, at 
the risk of boring people. So okay, um, one of the worst loved ones challenges ever because it was a food eating challenge, but the loved ones had to do it. Wow, yeah, that's not fun for anybody. I I really enjoy when the loved ones compete in the challenge, like with the players, but that's when they're both kind of doing something, even if it's as simple as tossing water to from a bucket to a bucket which results in the best loved ones <laughs> moment ever we'll tease that one again not that anyone doesn't know what we're talking about but um when it's only the loved ones doing it i hate that because the whole thing is is let the players you know hash it out because what it, it it what good is it if if my mom wins the challenge against you know your brother and everyone else's you know siblings and, and husbands and wives it just takes away so much of the drama. And it, I get it was kind of funny watching these people come out to this tropical location. I think they're going to spend some time with their family and then they have to eat this disgusting stuff. But super pass on, on that one for me. Yep. All right. Moving on to the end of the game. Want to talk bitter juries. This is, this is where that phrase. Is there a word that is bitterest but not bitterest? Is is there something we can create? Because that's on, this. <laughs> on on the spot, I don't know if I've got got the wit for that. But we'll talk after the show. But yes, I I agree with what you're saying there. That I don't know if anyone. I mean, there are bitter juries. There's Korong. There's Samoa. But this 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 is where it all started. You know, B, BJS bitter jury syndrome. No one was happy to see those two in the end together as much as they probably deserve to be the way they played the game. Even if it made for somewhat boring, I thought kind of post-merge kind of predictable. And if not the exact order, you kind of knew which players were going to go in about what order. And, and again, it, it does harken back a little bit to the early days of the show where it was more, it was very heavy into the social aspect not that it isn't now but in a different way where it's being truthful and honest and respectful was kind of paramount to most other things and and rob and amber especially rob saw a different path to the to the end and that's just being ruthless cut who you need to cut when you want to cut them if that if it helps your game make that move and and my my goodness did they uh not take kindly to that strategy yeah, who can we rank them in order of most to least bitter, or at least the top five? It was it was bad. I mean, I like Tom, Kathy, and Lex all stick out to me. As... Tom, Tom was was I've forgotten how how aggressive or not maybe aggressive isn't the right word, but just how upset and hurt he was by it. And I think I'm just so used to watching. Re- you know, the, the current run of the show, where it's just part of the game, you might be upset, but as a game player, you don't hold it against them. Not here. Yeah. And I mean, Rob, this is kind of his thing. If you, if you think back to the redemption Island final tribal, they just couldn't, that was kind of a mixture because I feel like they were looking for reasons not to vote for Rob. But when you're when his opponents are Philip and Natalie, 
there really was no logical <laughs> reason. So they, at least they get a little bit of credit credit on that one. But um, Jenna, not so much bitter, but she asks one of the stupidest questions. Um, and I like Jenna a lot. I like her a lot. But then this one comes up a few times over the course of course of the series. She asked them what they plan what they plan to do with the money. And oh. I, I hate that question because yeah. it, it, it has nothing to do with the game. If, if I ask a final two that question and someone says, I'm going to go to Vegas and gamble until I double it or lose it. And someone says, I'm going to give it all the charity. It doesn't affect at all who I'm going to who I'm going to vote for. I, just, I hope it wouldn't at least. Yeah, I would answer. I will personally put your kids through college with this money. <laughs> yeah, you can't hold you to it. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm I'm with you on this. But then, then then there's Alicia in her voting confessional saying to Rob, "I said I said I'd never write your name down, and I'm and I'm a woman of my word." Yeah, that, that one's one, been used a few times. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. That just means you're incapable of change, which which you have to be as as a. <laughs> as an adult human being. Yeah. I could see if she still thought Amber should win. She just came up with that, you know, yeah. on the spot. That's fine. Yeah. If that's a, if that was a witty remark to get her on TV, which it did. Um, again, again, like I like Alicia, but it's just, there's so much bitterness. There's, I, like you said, I can't think of a better word for it. Well, we've got a few more bitter juries to talk about, so we'll have some time to think about it. That was, I, I, I kind of enjoy the tribals, where they're really on the spot and they're ma- being made a little uncomfortable, but this one went a little too far the other way for me, for most, for most of it at least. Yeah, it just wasn't even about the game anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing to to push them on their game and really try to force it out of them. You know, why was this the right move? Why are you okay doing this? But they they really just yeah they took it so personally. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I can't remember many others like this. Yeah, because even even like in Samoa and Korong, while you can argue for the bitter jury, it wasn't so in your face, at least not the parts they decided to show on air as this one was. But do, do you remember maybe one of the last parts? Because obviously there's no second chance um, players for this season, obviously. Um the reunion show for this one? No, all I when, really remember was uh, Rob proposing before the votes were read, correct? Yep. Good move. Yep. And then um, I think Kathy asked, like, is this a real relationship or something like that? I'm not, <laughs> that might have been before the reunion, too. Um, but no, other than that, I don't remember much. No, because Jerry gets literally oh, booed yeah. off yep. the stage. Yep, I do remember that. That wasn't a great look for the show. No, I don't. I'm not usually a fan of the reunions. I I watch them if I'm watching a season for the first time, or when I was rewatching for the first time. And obviously, any of the new current seasons, I'll watch the reunion. But on my rewatches, I really don't. This one, I watched through that part because. Jerry tries to t- speak up. She gets just, just gets drowned out with booze. They cut to commercial, and she's gone. And then Jeff calls attention to it. He's like, yep, "You'll, you'll yep. notice we have one, one less person up here." It's like, "Well, maybe didn't have to mention anything about yeah. that." Yeah, call her out. Yeah, but again, it's season eight. Jeff, he's just a young, young buck. He's still like, <laughs> getting his footing. 
I've I've grown to uh, after Heroes versus Villains, I grew to really like Jerry. So it's tough to watch again. Yeah, the but, the, the Jerry Colby, that that arc over over the oh, over so the good. course of the season so is, or series is is so good. I mean, because there's people who have like personal growth, like Tyson, over over the course of his his run, but there aren't many people that have like a a couple type or duo relationship. You know, you've got Francesca and Philip. Um, for two seasons but then this one is over was it is it three seasons yeah three seasons because yep. australia this and, and heroes villains and you know they play into it the show plays into it it's it's so good so that'll close up all stars we're a little over an hour in do you want to do Maybe one knock more one more out yeah one more out and, okay uh, oh man heavy seasons though tonight yeah all right so that'll finish up all stars i think we'll do one more and then we will do our first first split we'll do a three and two and i think that'll be good because the two that we're leaving on the board here will be fun to talk about for sure maybe a little shorter shorter of an episode next week but it'll be for the better i think so next season our 18th ranked number or season 32 2016's co-wrong Michelle Fitzgerald another one of the semi-ish bitter juries that we were just discussing uh, my 22nd ranked season Jared's 14th fair amount of splits this week um, you know again kind of mid-pack for me just above mid-pack for for Jared and this was the second iteration of the whatever the order is bronze versus brain versus beauty um and Jared, why don't you start us off? Okay. Um, yeah, I thought I I kind of have a bias towards the later seasons just because I like the ones that move fast. Um, it, it just seems like the gameplay is a lot more engaging to me. And as much as the cast is important, I do need at least some like mental stimulation too, as far as thinking about how I would be playing it. So uh, 14 for me, yeah, sounds maybe a little high somewhere in there, though. Um, you know, I, I'd say we both rank this one as a pretty solid season. And um, I obviously, what you think about is the Michelle over Aubrey decision. And, and we'll um, get to that, of course. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, overall, there's a lot to kind of keep you interested. Um, so as annoying as it could be to watch at times, the Scott and Jason thing, um, you know, them just being horrible to everyone. You have Ty leaving them hanging out to dry uh, with the idle play. Um, you know, you I, I knew <laughs> who Sidney Gillen was coming into this season. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. And uh so she was a lot of fun for me to watch. Um, Can you explain that? Yeah, I I had seen some bodybuilding shows. I was aware that <laughs> that she is like an elite, elite, uh, multiple time world champion bodybuilder. And um, yeah, I mean, like good survivor player, but like as far as as far as celebrities go that get on the show, like not many people know her, but this is like, this is like if a Stephen Curry level 
person, like athlete was on the show as far as their professions go. Respective to her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, cause I knew, I, I knew of course that she was a bodybuilder, but I, I, I feel like I would have known that, but I can't, I can't picture or pinpoint that I had heard that she was that elite, but yeah, I mean, it could have been, you're probably the only person I know that can say they had that much familiarity with her. Well, the timing prior was, to the show. Yeah. Um, and she might've not been on that level when she played, but I know within the last five years or so um, she's taken off. And uh, so, yeah, I, it was kind of, it was like surreal to, <laughs> to watch, like knowing that ahead of time. Um, but yeah, so um, that was probably one thing that, that, made this a little more fun for me than it would for the average viewer not knowing about uh bodybuilding competitions <laughs> uh, and by no means am i an expert but i i do know, know a few people and she's definitely definitely one of them um so yeah yeah some good good like supporting cast members on here too uh obviously debbie people will feel strongly about her one way or Love another debbie <laughs> and uh yeah essential love to watch her play would hate to play with her yep yep and um i thought ty was like a really he brought a really unique like style and dynamic to the game that um I, I liked yeah yeah so um kind of all added up into a pretty good season for me and um i one of the other things i remember is Caleb almost dying and uh <laughs> that was a downer but you know um yeah just a bunch of crazy stuff like that I mean three people needed attention in that challenge so um yeah a lot of like weirdly memorable things um wouldn't say it all added up to be a great season but I liked it yeah I think when you when you ju- that last part you said the a lot of big moments that just just didn't quite add up to something great that's kind of how I view it because um, you know you you've got like you mentioned the digging challenge it's got the the juror juror removal twist um, which we'll get to uh, in a little bit um, it's got Debbie and all of her moments which are, which are great. Um, all of her professions too. all of her pr- professions when they when they started changing her profession on the chiron each time i mean it's it's little things like that that if you catch it add just a little bit to the enjoyment of the season you know when they do the question mark on philip shepherd as fbi agent just little little touches on the on the production side can go a long way and this with debbie specifically was a was a great great addition um i thought the the Jason and and Scott bullying and negativity wore out its welcome pretty quickly. And then they made it so far into the game that that had a big effect on dragging it down a little bit for me. Um, I mean, they were responsible for some good moments. Um, you know, it, you know, culminated in Ty, you know, whether, how do you want to think about it? turning on them or, or just kind of switching up his game to eliminate um, who was it, Scott at that time. Um, so it, the end result was good, but I don't know that the journey to get there was quite worth it. Um, you know, they kind of corrupted Ty a little bit that he started sabotaging the camp. And I don't know that maybe it was because it was Ty that he just was a sweet, 
innocent little man that if they had gotten a Neil or someone else to do it with them, maybe would have felt a little different, but it felt like, felt like the teenagers getting, you know, the, the, the seniors in high school getting the little freshmen to smoke cigarettes with them is kind of what it felt like, like, Oh, you're just kind of taking advantage of them a little bit. And, and that, that didn't quite, you know, just that whole situation, how they treated I'm Alicia as well. Didn't, didn't quite, you know, sit well, sit right with me. Um, but I do have Jason is responsible for maybe the best quote of, of the season and says it so confidently it's, it's early on. <laughs> and I don't doubt he's good at his job. I'm just going to say, say that out front, but he says, well, he'll, he'll, you want to be careful. If I'm ever in Southeast Michigan, I will be careful. I'm possibly one of the best bounty hunters in Southeast Michigan. <laughs> I mean, there, there's quite a bit to unpack there. First of all, it's possibly he's, he's not super confident. And second of all, Southeast Michigan, not just Michigan, but Southeast Michigan. I mean, one, how many bounty hunters are there across the country? I have no idea how many are there in Michigan alone and how many are in Southeast Michigan. Are you one of the best of five of a thousand I want to know how many of them know each other. I would bet the bounty hunting profession is, is not very big that you probably at least know of the other people working in your area. Well, I guess but, in that case, it's not all that impressive that he's one of the top five in Southeast Michigan. Yeah. Whatever that number is. Um, I, I thought that was hilarious. Unless Southeast Michigan is the Mecca for bounty hunters. I mean, he said it with so much pride too. That's that's what gets me too. You know, he 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 likes what he does. He's proud of what he does, but I think he is overestimating how impressive that statement was. You know, it reminds me of a statement someone near and dear to both of us once said, um, commenting on a Philly cheesesteak that he ate. This is, <laughs> this particular restaurant makes a top five Philly cheesesteak any diner. So it's you know. That quote, any variation of it will be incredible. Yeah, you you put this high praise and you completely neuter it by finishing off with such a small area of where it can be impressive. Oh, man, I forgot that. I'm glad you, you brought that up. Oh, I, I, I'm catching a lot more quotes on my rewatch because I'm not, I don't have to watch it as closely for the game moves, especially if it's a newer season that I, that I might remember a little better. So I, and I'm making notes of, of them too, because there's, there's so much gold that, that I'd forgotten about. You know, you remember some of the, some of the big ones, you remember, um, you know, Crystal shouting Randy's name, the voting confessional, things like that, that, that get talked about all the time. You know, the, you just like with Boston Rob, you know, you help her, I help you. They're like big moments. And this one was nothing. It was an, an innocuous statement. I think it probably in the premiere, maybe this, maybe episode two. And, and that one, it just hit me. I was like, oh, that's an amazing comment that needs to be written down and saved for all eternity. Yep, and then yep. there's all, and going back to, um, to tie with that, with the idol, which we, which we both, which we both touched on. Even uh, before you go any farther, I just want to yeah. mention that um, anytime we say Scott should, we should lead with, former NBA champion, Scott. <laughs> I will not. You can. 
you're free too. Okay. Um, I think he played. Can we can we also include how many minutes he played in the in the playoffs? Uh, I you believe, you are free to do so. I, I I will not because I believe it was zero. If my, <laughs> if, if my memory serves correct, I believe more rings was, than minutes. That's a hell of a stat. Hell yeah. of an accomplishment. I would take it. You kidding me? But the but the idol, it's a super idol, meaning it can be played after the votes. But unlike you know, say Yules and Cook Islands, it requires two parts to be put together to be used after the votes. So I absolutely hate hate the super idol, and we'll get into into that more with Cook Islands and how it allowed Yule to walk to the final. Not that I was opposed to that end result, but it's it's so so powerful that. Once, especially if people find out about it, I mean, it's it's game over at that point. Um, but it makes it a little better that it that it required two pieces to be used, and and especially here, where someone was holding the other piece. But you're relying on the exact right scenario for it to work out, which it did, thankfully for them. But I I want them to just do away with the super idol, the God idol, Tyler Perry idol, whatever you want to call it. Um, never again. Send it send it down to the f- whatever circle of hell Dante has reserved for terrible survivor twists. Send it with the medallion of power, edge of extinction, super idols, put them all together, never again. Yep. Send it down with the Clay's Golf Club luxury item from Thailand. They can <laughs> stay down there. And didn't think I'd get a Thailand reference in... You went to the when you say hell, house. my brain goes to one place. <laughs> to be clear, we'll specify Survivor Thailand. Survivor Thailand. Not, not Survivor. Just Thailand. Sorry. I, I have uh, Thailand is the Amanda of countries to me. I have no, no, have no opinion preference on it. <laughs> All right. Um, got a couple of notes here before we get kind of the, the end of the season where it kind of really gets interesting. The one of the reward challenges later on which I like, I like this a lot. They, you get to choose what you play for. You either got to play for food your letter from home or an advantage in the game. And you only compete against those who choose the same reward. I, I like this a lot. Again, like most of these things that, that have come up once in a while, I wouldn't like it if it was every season, but it puts just a fun little twist on the game. You know, do you go for what you want? Do you go for what you think the fewest people will play for? I like it. What do you, what do you think about that, that type of challenge? Totally forgot it happened. Um, but, you know, challenges to me, I there are certain ones that stick out, but I'm really not a huge um, challenge enthusiast. So to me, like any challenge can work in the, in the right scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm probably... I'm probably with you in that I, I wouldn't mind seeing it every once in a while. Um, if, if it was every season, it would probably get old, but to me, um, I, I could give or take, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, uh, make a huge difference. Yeah. I, I like it. just when they put any sort of choice on the players. I, I, I really enjoy that. Whether it's a choice choice in the challenge of, do you take a shortcut for a larger puzzle or whatever it might be. Anytime you you put them on the spot. True. Yeah. It because yeah. it, it it just adds intrigue and and probably a little extra drama. And it adds, you know, an extra layer of strategy that you know wouldn't normally be there. 
But end of the game, let's get into that into that before we close out here. The two big things are probably the juror removal twist, um, where Michelle rightfully takes Neil off the jury. Poor guy, but, man. He had, he, had a, he had a rough go of it. He'll he'll he's a strong second chance consideration for me, which we'll get to. But the the medevac, he was playing a pretty good game. He had awesome ice cream pants. I mean, what, what more could you want? I feel I feel like he he could have he could have had a really strong showing, I thought. <sighs> yep. Yep. And then Man. and just gets gets removed. Um, what do you think of remo- removing a member of the jury? I really hated it um it's i guess in this case since he uh no no i hated it i hated it i can't even justify it in my head um it's it's just so frustrating when you know especially part of the game is planning who you want to put on the jury and then to just have someone taken out that you thought was a vote in your favor unexpectedly is oh i'd be i'd be pissed all all very fair the the one reason i do like it i'm more against than than for but it's a chance for the player michelle in this case to either show how well they're in tune with the game or how far out of it they are you know, because she she picked probably the best person to remove, because um, she probably didn't think tied much of a chance to win, um, and she he probably knew Neil would would stump for Aubrey on the jury, and that Anna was a sure vote for Aubrey, and if you have someone who's less aware of what's happening, they might take away someone who's one of their votes or something something else that maybe would just show the jury that oh maybe you don't have quite a handle on the the pulse of the game so th- that's where i do like it because it's a chance for that person to really kind of show up or embarrass themselves by by what the choice is but but all in all i i would be against it you know part part of survivor is being on the jury and and i don't think you should take it, take it away from them i think it just sucks like you said and like we said a bunch of times, Survivor is not a fair game, and I guess that extends to when you're out of the actual plane of the game and just on the on the jury side. But I, I think you kind of earn that right to be on the jury, and I don't think I'd like to, like to see it again. Um, you know, this is another twist that they that they did in Australian Survivor. It played out a little bit differently there. Um, just in terms of when they did it, so it had a little extra intrigue. Yep, yep. But if you say, if you let people know it's coming ahead of time, I'm more okay with it. How would how would that work with the with the juror removal though? Like, just say that at some point someone will get removed from the jury. I think. Well, I think you can tell the players, but well, I guess then you know the rest of it end up going on the jury. So, um, it just like well, and we got to this we'll get to this a little bit um, in a season coming up, but just not knowing what's going on in the very final stages of the game. Uh, I, I don't know on the spot right now how I would do it better, but I'm sure if you gave me five to 10 minutes to think of something, <laughs> I I could come up with better than, okay, we're going to pull you at the last second and good luck to everyone still left in the game. 
I I think instead of this, what could be fun is if they get to ask a juror member a question. I think that could be interesting because then it's it still kind of shows the same thing of do you know who to pick? And then do you know what to ask? And then you gotta trust if they're telling the truth or not. Like if if I'm on if I'm at still in the game and I'm asking and I just asked you a question and everyone else on the jury knows that you hate me or that you're never going to vote for me. They're like, Oh, he's got no idea what's happening. Why would he ask Jared a question? Or if we were tight the entire game, you know, I could ask you, you know, another strategic question. Oh, you know, what does the jury see my biggest flaw, whatever it might be. And then you got to suss out. Is that just your opinion? Is that the, the, true opinion of the jury i think that could be that could be interesting to try out yeah you mean to ask like ahead of the final tribal yep so yep so like instead of at the exact same point where michelle removed neil at the same thing instead of doing that she got to ask she had to pick a jury member and ask them a question i would a hundred times prefer that um i guess uh to you a question then do you think it would be better to say at that point um you can give a person of your choice on the jury a second vote i haven't thought about that before initially i don't like that not not when it's at the final tribal with a million dollars at stake and i know there's not maybe all that much difference between a second vote and removing a vote. But I think so with the, with the second vote, if you give to the right person, that's a guaranteed two votes. But if you remove a jury member, you can still win over or lose the rest of the, of the votes. So, so like at, in this one, Aubrey could have won over one more person and won the game. Michelle could have lost one person and won the game. And I think that's easier to do with one fewer person because then you've got to win over. Oh, is this the exact same thing that I'm saying right now that I think about it? No, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah. When the gap is you're. <sighs> yeah. When there's it feels more people, different in my head. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't think I'm doing a good job at explaining it. So hopefully everyone just knows what I'm trying to say. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so close out here. Uh, last piece. We are running, running long, like we thought we would. Michelle beats Aubrey. What do you think? At, at first, I didn't like it, but I can't argue because that's how Survivor works. That's an incredibly reasonable take. <laughs> the jury votes for the person who should win. I don't know if the survivor community is ready for such a, a logical position on this one, Jerry. <laughs> I mean, I liked Aubrey a lot more than Michelle, and I was a little emotionally devastated. But uh, t- give me time, and um, yeah, I'm I'm not in a position to complain about who the jury decided should win their season of Survivor. Yeah, I think we'll get into into this more probably in Samoa because that's kind of an, a more extreme version of this, you know, because Aubrey is no Russell and Michelle is no Natalie, but there are definitely similarities in, in at least in you know how they how they played the game and how the jury viewed it. When I first when I watched the season live, 
I was actually pretty upset that Michelle won. I like Michelle. I just thought Aubrey objectively played a better game. And I was I was shocked. And this was early on in my survivor watching. And so when I when I went back and rewatched the everything else and kind of got a feel for how the jury, you know, thinks and acts, it's yeah, the winner, the best player is the winner of the season. The winner of the season is the best player. Regardless of if you think the best player got voted out at place four, five, six, seven, who's ever at the end and gets the most votes to win, they won. They're, they're the best. They they're deserving because they won. And Boston Robin, that really nice moment in Winners at War with Michelle. I can't remember exactly what he said. You know, I'll get to it and rewatch it. But he said basically something along the lines of, you know, Michelle was talking about how she felt that she was questioning her worth or whether she deserved the win. And Rob said, "You won, so you deserve the win." And and I think that's a really good way to think about it. And people get so attached to the players they like or the game style, gameplay style that they that they prefer that it's hard to see the other other possibilities and and it was steven actually steven fishback in either his blog for people or on the know-it-alls after this he said you know being on the he was on he's been on the jury and michelle had big moments at big times she won a couple late challenges she had she had the removing neil from the jury which was a correct move late in the late in the show and that's kind of what sticks with people is what it's kind of a, what have you done for me lately type attitude, but with a little more nuance to it. And she, she played, she played big. She did what she had to do at the most important times. And, and I think this, this is a really good example of, and this has come up before and it'll come up again of survivor, not knowing how to effectively show the edit of a strong social game. It comes up in Samoa. It comes up in Game Changers for as just as two examples that I think Michelle just knew how to get people to like her because she's a likable person. And it, it's hard to make people hanging out at camp interesting television. And I think that they had to leave so much on the, on the cutting room floor that would have shown more insight into how she played the game and how she was able to to score those votes. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously after seeing winners at war, um, you have to know that she has maybe one of the strongest social games ever. Um, just with how she's able to work her way through the game and in one case, get enough votes at the end of the game to win. Um, but I think both times we've seen her play so far, she hasn't looked all that impressive. So yeah, um, agree with you on hopefully there is a better way of showing longer episodes. That's what it is. Oh, please. Yes. I, I know. Yes. I know it's not as simple as, as that, but um, you know, I, I mentioned the international versions every so often, Australia and South Africa in particular, and they have longer episodes and you get a, such a better feel for the tribe dynamics and the personal connections. And when people are good social players, it, it shows through just because there's more to show. And, you know, if so survivors about 42, 43 minutes on the average episode and South Africa is only about 48 to 50 minutes on most episodes, doesn't sound like a lot, but over the course of a season, you know, that extra five to seven minutes over the course of 14 episodes adds up. And if survivor could do that, even if it was a few episodes during the season, where 
a 90 minute block or whatever it might be would be very helpful. And, you know, again, it's not as simple as just survivors saying, Oh, Hey, CBS, uh, we're going to be an hour and a half next week. Sounds good. Okay. We're good. Like it's far more complicated than that, unfortunately, but that's from just a, how does it get solved? Logistics aside, that's going to be the easiest way, but, but yeah, they've, they've got to find a way to show those players and how they get everyone to like them and how, and how they just form genuine bonds and relationships with people over the course of the course of 39 days. Yeah. Uh, agree with all of it. All right. Uh, second chance players then for co wrong. Ah, yes. Second I would have chance. two people that we haven't discussed yet. And two others that we have, I would have Nick, Neil, Julia, and Sydney. Uh, for mine, Julia, I like Julia. She's kind of a Michelle light, I think. Kind of the same same kind of style of play. Michelle was maybe just a little more fine tuned in it. Let's see her come back after, you know, because she was still in college. I think she was only like 20, 21 when she was on. Um, so those kind of young players that that sh- show some flashes at that age, I, I'd like to see them come back a few years later to see what what they might be able to do. Neil, we discussed already. He, I think he deserves a second chance. Out as much as anybody does. Nick is super entertaining. I, I loved I loved him. He's a really funny guy. That's the kind of guy you need on a show. And then Sydney, very physical player, very underrated strategically. I think she should be a lock for a second chance. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm gonna lead with Sydney for obvious reasons. Um, I think personality wise, she's got a huge personality too. Always in favor of that. Um, I don't remember Nick as well as you do. So I will default to you on that. Um, but Neil, <laughs> Neil, for sure. Uh, just the sympathy inclusion on man. I mean, to get medically evacuated and then kicked off the jury is a tough one to punch, but um, I could go for Alicia again too. So we'll just, throw her in as i considered her i i'd be okay i think she got a raw deal yeah that she she flashed some some real some real chops i thought but she was just and she ended up basically in an impossible position that unless unless a a swap had occurred or something she was she was just sitting you know sitting dead pretty much it felt like yep yep so those would be my four okay well, so we'll get through three this week. We'll have two next week, uh, Pearl Islands and Heroes, Healers, Hustlers. And then so that might be a little shorter, but there's there's some good stuff to talk about in both of those. So I'm sure we'll be just fine on, on time there and content. Uh, so be sure to check back for that one. And be sure to subscribe if you have not yet. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts, we're going to be there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Llama Talk Pod, on Instagram at Talking Llama Pod. And for Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambidge, and we'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy. Mm-hmm.